Welcome. Welcome. You are listening to Unplugged, Surviving to Thrive, hosted by the Crisis Center of West Texas. We talk about all things regarding domestic violence and sexual assault in our world. We hope you stay and follow along. Enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Unplugged, Surviving to Thrive. My name is Cece. My name is A-A-Ron. We are going to continue our conversation today about teen dating violence, um, as it is still February, which is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. But today we have a very special guest. His name is Isaac Camacho. He's a senior at Odessa High School. His extracurriculars include Symphony Orchestra, National Honor Society, and Junior Leadership Odessa. He's won the Leading Light Award from Junior Leadership Odessa and the Texas Council on Family Violence Young Hearts Matter Award in 2019. He's an avid student and serves on the Texas Council of Family Violence Young Hearts Matter Board. Welcome, Isaac. We're happy to have you here with us. Thank you, Cece, for introducing me, and I'm so excited to be here. Yes, and we are so excited to have you. I want to point out that one of the reasons we wanted to have a youth voice with us today is because if we, you know, continue to have these conversations about teen dating violence without including youth in our conversations, we aren't really listening and we truly can't fully get and grasp teen dating violence and how it affects our young people. So, yeah. I feel like we have like a local celebrity here amongst us. Um, Isaac Isaac has been on TV and newspapers and uh, interviews. And so um, we are really excited for him um, to be on our podcast and also to hear what he has to say. Yes. Thank you so much, Aaron. All right, Isaac, uh, what inspired you to join the movement of uh, intimate partner violence? And why do you think it's important for young people to learn about healthy relationships? You know, as a teenager, like this is this might be biased, but I truly believe that like teenagers, I feel are going through the most during this time period of their life, you know, they're developing, maturing, and then, you know, they're having to prepare to become a young adult, all those, like, important events in their life. And so I feel that they have to learn about healthy relationships because it's an important part of an individual's life. You know, communication is very crucial, both in and out of relationships. And... What inspired me to become part of the movement was that I feel that in the modern world, I feel that communication is what's it called a crucial, crucial, what's it called, skill that needs to be learned. And building relationships and building your networks is also something that's very important. Yeah. And I kind of want to highlight something that you said, like you said that like people your age are going through it. Right. And I love that. I love that we have a teen dating violence awareness month because we have like domestic violence awareness month. That's a thing. But I think it's so important to have also a teen dating violence awareness month because oftentimes people don't take youth seriously. If I could say that, like, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Right. And and I, I agree with you. And I think that's so harmful to our youth today because we just kind of dismiss them. And like, especially when it comes to dating, we're like, oh, like, it's not that bad or they just like you. That's why they're acting that way. You know, it's very dismissive and we really have to educate our youth, get them involved to help them have healthy relationships instead of being dismissive. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. What do you think that? What do you think that can, that that has come from? Like, is it like generations past, or has it always been this way where we just don't pay attention to, you know, our young adults? Like, we we assume that they're still kids, and they're not they're not going through the issues that are you know grown adults go through. I feel that this this isn't a generational thing. I think that this is just a stigma that's existed forever. You know, I feel that adults... So, adults are so strange when it comes to teenagers because most sometimes we're viewed as children and we can't make our own decisions and that we're not mature. But sometimes we're viewed as adults and that we're supposed to take responsibility and that we're supposed to be mature about certain things. So it's kind of confusing at times. But I feel that most adults are dismissive of teenagers because they feel that we're still immature and that we don't know what's best for us. Mm, that's a that's a big one. Yeah, for sure. For I sure. also think that, like, you know, there's some things that youth today, say, like, high school students are experiencing that I never experienced. Just because, like... Technology. The, yeah, the... <laughs> kind of like increase in technology use and how social media is used today. So people think like, oh, well, that didn't happen back in my day. So like, why are kids worrying about it now? You know, and it's like, well, because it's different. And, you know, I'm going to be 27 soon. So imagine someone who's in their 50s and 60s, like thinking how, well, that wasn't an issue back in my day. So why is it an issue for teens today? I think that is also part of the reason why they're dismissive because they don't take into account how youth's lives are different from their lives when they were younger. Oh, for sure. I feel that what's it called? Like disconnection and experience can certainly cause an issue with empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you've never had any grasp of what that might feel like, you might be dismissive dismissive of it because you think it's something trivial or it's not all that serious. When in reality, you just don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Man, and I feel like you could take that statement and what we're saying and run with it and apply it to anything. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Right. So, like, you know, if I've never experienced racism, people are like, well, racism doesn't happen in our country. It's like, well, it does, because just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Right. I I think you could take that statement and use it with just about anything. It's hard for us to empathize and learning how to be empathetic is something that you have to practice and I think it's just easier for people to not do it what do you think Aaron yeah I feel like it's easier to ignore the issue at hand versus to to have the courage to Mm. stand up and say hey this this is not cool or I I feel you right I I understand what you're going through I think that takes a lot of a lot of courage and I and it mm. takes a lot of energy that people don't just want to use yeah. um, at this moment right now. So, yeah, I 100%, you know, uh, agree with you on that as well. I understand that only like a fraction of students tell like any adult about their abuse. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that comes as a result as dismissive behavior from adults. So what I mean by that is like I've even experienced this myself where like, I'll go up to my my parents and I'll be like, hey, you know, there's this thing that's bothering me. And 
instead of immediately telling me, you know, what's wrong, let me help you. They're like, there's no need to be upset. You have your food, you have your clothing, you have your home, you have your parents. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not saying I'm not grateful for that. I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm upset. And, you know, I'd appreciate it if you help me with that. And I feel that that's one of the reasons that teenagers don't tell adults anything because most times they'll be like, there's no reason for you to be upset, almost like gaslighting. And that can be really harmful, mm-hmm. which is why we find solitude in each other, as mm-hmm. in teenagers with other teenagers. Like, for what I tell sure. my besties, I would never tell my parents. Right. <laughs> and so, and this is, uh, he's, he's kind of touching on uh, the next question I was going to ask, which is only 33% of students would tell an adult about abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think that is? Um, and he just answered and said, you know, because we as adults are, um, we're dismissive. We, yeah. we don't listen to the feelings. We act like we were not young teens back in the day. Right. And, and the struggles that we had trying to figure out, you know, from becoming, you know, a teenager to becoming a young adult and how, how hard that was uh, because it was hard even back in the day. Right. I say back in the day, like, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Well. Um, <laughs> um, but now it is, there, there, there's a different, it, it is 100% different. Yes. Like I, I, I'm, I deal with young, young kids and, and they have a lot more on their plate than, than I did. Yeah. When I was growing up. And so instead of, looking at them as like all oh, their their kids are all their um you know they're immature um look at them like okay they're they're trying to figure it out they're trying to make the best choices for their life how can i be here to support and help them versus dismissing them and not you're not taking their feelings into consideration yeah and also newsflash adults we're still trying to figure things out too, whether For you sure. want to admit it or not, right? And there's still some of us that are immature, you know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, let's not let's not try to. I guess we, we try to make ourselves feel good mm-hmm. uh, because of the decisions that you know young kids are making now. Um, but let's not forget we we made maybe even crazier decisions back in the day, and we still are probably doing all. We, we still are probably making crazy decisions now as adults. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, so we shouldn't just be dismissive of, you know, of young teens or teens when they're coming to us saying, hey, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard other youth talk about it, too. Like when it comes to like their mental health, going to their parents and being like, I think I'm depressed or I think I have anxiety. And the parents, just like Isaac was saying, being like, what do you have to be depressed about? Yeah. I put this house here for you. You have a roof over your head. You have food. What do you have to be depressed about? Yeah, that is oof, so so harmful. And I think it's it's it, they're talking about the out uh, the outer appearance of things and yeah. not looking at like what's going on on the inside. And I think that matters most than anything else. Like yeah. if they're coming to you saying I need help or I'm depressed sit down and have that conversation. Why are you depressed? But I think it also goes to the stigma of mental health. Like, right. No one wants to talk about it. Like every, everybody's just okay. And you know, no one uh, mentally 
can be hurt. And so we just kind of push everybody through and we don't ever sit back and just be like, okay, what's really going on? Yeah. And it used to be more taboo, right? I, I feel like yeah. younger generations are like saying, you know, we need to speak out about mental health and there should be no stigma around reaching out for mental health services. And older generations are still stuck in that stigma and, you know, have learned to kind of push it down or deal with it or, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. our younger generations are speaking up and being like, hey, this is important for us to talk about. And it's not an embarrassing topic and there's nothing to be ashamed of. So I, whenever I think about that, I always think about, OK, when I'm 50, there's going to be something that the youth are talking about where I'm going <laughs> to probably want to be like, mm, but then I'm going to have to remember, hey, <laughs> yeah. don't be dismissed. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I can definitely see like a shift in generational values. Mm-hmm. I feel that, so I feel that my parents, the way they were raised, that what's called, I wouldn't say they were materialistic, but I feel that they were, they were told to value all of what they had. They're like taking care of someone and just giving them their needs was viewed as love and affection. Mm. No, I, I, I get you. Yeah. Like if, if I'm taking care of you, then you you don't have any needs for anything else. Is that is that kind of what that is? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes along the same lines of what we were talking about. There's a roof over your head and food on the table. What more yeah. do you need from me as a parent? Well, I need that emotional connection and yeah. I need that empathy and I need, sure. you know, so I, I kind of see where, where you're going with that, Isaac. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, Isaac, uh, so how would you define uh, teen dating violence. Okay, so this is going to be a really tough question for me. Mm-hmm. The reason being is, as you know, thanks to you guys, um, teen dating violence is just now being, you know, spoken out about and there's awareness being made about it. And so even as a teenager, it's kind of difficult to identify um, what's it called. Literally the other day, I was having a discussion with one of my friends and I was being dismissive or not necessarily dismissive, but blind to abusive behavior Hmm. so like even my even i myself find it difficult to identify but i feel that teen dating violence is any form of abuse with within a relationship between teenagers whether it be verbal physical or like emotional Mm -hmm. and i feel like that the most dangerous type for me is what's it called emotional and the reason for that is as i was saying that there's like an emo there's a shift in like generational values i feel that like now that we're putting emphasis on like our emotions and feelings and thoughts that it can what's it called that can create a really big impact as to how we develop for sure can you give me like an example do you see more emotional like when you're at ohs or do you see more like mental or is it physical? Hopefully it's not physical. Hopefully we don't have people like running around hating each other at OHS. But um, do you have, do you, do you, like what, which one do you see the most you feel when you're at OHS? If I may give an example, um, I had a friend, she was dating this boy for quite some time. And, you know, things were fine at first. And, you know, he didn't like, harm her physically in any form or fashion you know he didn't like grab her arm and like squeeze it or anything like that but the second he would get around his friends he suddenly needed to be this like super macho man 
And, you know, like, he would, like, verbally abuse her. Like, what's it called? He'd call her slurs and names. And then, what's it called? He would, like, emotionally manipulate her later. Like, you know, she would bring it up. You know, she'd be like, hey, I didn't like the way you treated me in front of your friends. And he would emotionally manipulate her by being like, oh, I'm sorry, babe. I promise I won't do it again. And after some time, she really grew tired of it. And she threatened to, like, well, not threatened, but... She said she was going to leave him if she didn't change his behavior. And he threatened her with saying that, um, like, with, like, sexual coercion, she, like, he would say some really nasty things to her. And, like, it really frightened her. But thankfully, she's not in that situation anymore. Yeah, you, you just gave us, like, three or four um, uh, tactics of teen dating violence or abuse. Um right. So uh, I appreciate you for, for telling us that story. Cece, do you have anything you want to add before I ask the next question? Well, I, I feel like it kind of goes into what you were talking about, Isaac, about how emotional abuse can be really hard to identify. And, you know, when it comes to physical abuse, and we say this a lot, like we all know what physical abuse is, right? This is like the one you see in right. TV shows and movies most of the time. And like we know physical abuse is abuse. But other types of abuse, verbal abuse or emotional abuse, these are the things that we really need to talk about in detail because a lot of people have a hard time identifying it. And it's just as bad as the other types of abuse, you know? Um, right. So, and especially within youth, the most common type of abuse, abuse that you see is that emotional abuse. So it's really important to talk about like when your friend, um, you know, went up to him after and was like, hey, I don't like the way that you're treating me in front of your friends. And it's the whole, oh, I'm sorry. Like it won't happen again. I babe, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and then it happens again and it goes into the cycle of abuse. Like we talk about. The cycle yeah. of everything being okay, we're happy, some form of abuse happens, there is an apology phase, and then a, everything's good, we're happy, here are some chocolates because I am a bad person and I want to be forgiven, abuse happens again, apology, you know, it's that cycle of abuse. And I think that your friend put her foot down, you know, and did what she needed to do, and it escalated, and it scared her. And that is really scary. And that's why, like we were talking about earlier, we as adults need to listen to youth because they can be in very serious, dangerous situations. So I think your friend did do, you know, the right thing. And I am sorry that she experienced that. So kind of on the other end, Isaac, so we talked about different forms of abuse that people can experience. But let's talk about youth who perpetuate violence. So let's talk about youth that are doing the abusing. Why do you think that is? And what can we do to educate them and prevent them from being abusers? We need to get to the root of the issue and not just scratch the surface level. Yeah. For sure. I certainly feel it, it obviously varies from person to person, but I also feel that it, it depends on how we are raised and what values are instilled into us when we're young. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was raised to, you know, respect everyone regardless. And so I value everyone's opinions and I do my best to be respectful. Um, I, and I also feel that it, it, what's called, revolves around insecurities. You know, 
you know, maybe if you had like detached parents, you feel the need that if you don't have the control in the relationship, what's called, you're going to lose that person. And so therefore you become obsessive and controlling. And like, you know, you might even go to extremes of physically maintaining them with you. And, you know, that can be really harmful. So I definitely feel that it's the way, um, what's called, we're raised and what values um, we are told to value. Yeah, and I agree. And Aaron, I kind of want you to chime in on this because we talk about insecurities a lot um, mm-hmm. with clients that we see that are abusive in their relationships. What do you think people can do? Um, it, I, to me, it's it's uh, it starts with your mind. Uh, I, I feel like you can take yourself down a rabbit hole of a thought process of thinking, okay, she's doing this. And then your mind can just take it and make it reality. And so, and then a lot of times, you know, insecurities are, you know, telling you something that's about you, that maybe you need to fix, or maybe you need to address in order, you know, for you to not be insecure about the other person. Um, And so I, I just think, you know, it starts with, you know, your thought process, because I am a big believer in uh, you can you can make something that's not real, real by just thinking about it over and over and over and over again. Um, and so now I'm start questioning, OK, why am I thinking about, you know, these things versus just um, versus not, not and creating an atmosphere where, you know, anytime, you know, your partner walks in you're angry and upset because in your head, they have already done something that they never really have done. Uh, so to me, I think it's questioning, you know, you know, start to question why you are thinking that way um, before just, you know, going down that rabbit hole and, uh, you know, creating that uh, atmosphere of, you know, distrust or lo- disloyalty when, when it comes to insecurity. How can a school, how can counselors and adults create a culture where teens can disclose uh, TDV or abuse to them? One thing that I for sure, what's called, I'm pretty sure everyone would appreciate was, would be to create a safe space, you know, let them know that they are heard, that their opinions are valued. Because I mean, this applies to anyone and anything like if you are, if your um, opinions aren't valued and you're not heard, you're not going to say anything because you feel that it won't make a difference. Um, And one thing I think we should for sure do is to normalize talking about this. You know, some people might think like, oh, this, this isn't something that's really talked about. So it probably isn't like all that important or like it isn't all that serious. And so sometimes even people are dismissive of their own issues and therefore that can create an issue as well. Um, So yeah, I for sure feel that what's called like counselors or teachers, you know, they should create a safe space. And, you know, sometimes you just need someone to listen, you know, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes lots of sense. I I am a big believer in, in having a communication. I feel like we're trying to be right or wrong. You know, you're trying to be right and you're trying to prove someone wrong. And instead of like having that mindset, have the mindset of, uh, being heard and understood and then hearing and understanding what the other person is saying. Um, I think that right. that creates a very safe culture for both teachers and students. Do you think that would be? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Isaac. yeah, for sure. Oftentimes, I feel that people just listen simply to respond. Like they're so busy coming up with like a comeback, trying to answer 
that they forget about the listening part. It's interesting because at what's called at school, the teachers that are like most lively and most um, what's called understanding, like Miss Fuentes, my avid teacher, I feel that I could say anything in her room, you know, like even amongst the students, I feel that there's a common understanding that, you know, we all go undergo difficult times and that it's okay to talk about it. And so I feel like that's a really good example of like creating a safe space. Awesome. Hey, uh, shout out to Miss Fuentes. Shout she out, Miss Fuentes. Shout out to Miss Fuentes. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the, uh, I wish, you know, I had a teacher like her uh, growing up. Um, well, you know, I did. I did. And they, and they really affected my life uh, in a positive way. Miss Fuentes is uh, amazing. Awesome. But I, I think kind of what you said about, you know, taking what they say and just listening instead of trying to shut them up because you're uncomfortable or trying to dismiss whatever they're saying. I've had a teacher, you know, I work with students and I've had a teacher tell me like, oh, they're talking about, you know, dating and they're in the seventh grade. Should they be talking about that? And I'm like, that's not the question we should be asking. We, we shouldn't be asking, should they be talking about it? They are talking about it. That's something that they're interested in and talking about amongst each other. So that's something we need to address and teach them about relationships instead of telling them like, hey, you're too young to be in a relationship. It doesn't work that way. They're going to do it. So we need to give them the resources and the tools to have healthy relationships. I was holding girls' hand in fifth grade. We were, we were like together, you know what I mean? Right. Like fifth grade, you know what I mean? Like didn't have anything, didn't have like understanding of what was going on, but no. like we, we knew like, I, you know, we, we were supposed to be doing this. And so we were, you know, secretly holding hands at, uh, in band, uh, <laughs> and, but no one, but no one talked about it. Yeah. You're 100% right, right CC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and interesting enough, I, I've even done that. I like, so I have nephews and they're in middle school and they'll tell me like, I have like a lady friend or like, you know, my friends are dating. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, excuse me. Right, right. <laughs> but like, first, I'm like, it's gonna happen. So we need to yes. like lay the foundation for them so that they, when as they mature and develop, they're able to maintain healthy, sustainable relationships. For mm -hmm. sure. And you know, as parents or even older family members like you, Isaac, of young people. You want to keep them your little cute nephew, your little cute baby forever. And that's understandable. But also you have to realize that they are growing up and they're going to, you know, start getting into relationships and start thinking about other people romantically and address it instead of being like, no, you're going to stay my baby forever. I understand that. I understand when parents say right, that, and think right. that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not doing the um, kid any good. Right. I also want to kind of come at it from, and I just thought about this, from okay. the, the counselor or the school or the adult uh, way. Like, what if they're going through these issues and they don't even have the answers to help a student out, you know, with these issues if they are, are in an abusive relationship? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, like what we're saying, how can we create a, a safe space for, you know, you know, kids yeah. Um, if, you know, the adults in, in the picture are also, you know, dealing, yeah, dealing with this issue for sure. I think that's a good point. And I think that's honestly a lot of the reasons why 
adults can be dismissive when it comes to topics like this because they're like, oh, I don't have the answer. And like, I'm experiencing this. How am I supposed to listen to a kid talk about it and help them? But we don't have to have all the answers. Adults do not have to have all the answers. It, It would just be good to if a teen reached out to you and told you that to be like, you know what? let's talk through it because I'm not sure. And I want to get a better grasp of your situation and how you've experienced it. And maybe we can come up with something together. I can see how, what's it called? The, like I understand because although it is teen d- uh, dating violence awareness month, I understand that adults also go through it. We mm-hmm. all go through it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and you know, uh, as all people do, we all have our imperfections. I get that adults aren't perfect. I appreciate that you know people like Cece and Aaron you know make an effort to try to understand and empathize and get the word out but I also understand that you know even they might not have the answers Mm -hmm. but the fact that they're trying is immensely appreciated I think that's a good point Isaac like word to adults you don't have to have all the answers even Mm -hmm. like Isaac said we don't have all the answers all the time but you have to be willing to be vulnerable with students willing to be open and welcome these conversations instead of push them away. Like he said, it goes a long way. It goes a long way. For sure. Oh yeah. Vulnerability. That is, Oh, that is a big thing in relationships. I feel that a lot of just people in general feel like being vulnerable is being weak. And so they avoid it at all costs and they just bury their emotions. And I feel that that also what's it called feeds into like abusive behavior because they don't have any other outlet except to take it out on other people. You get snaps for that. You get snaps for that. That, that. I mean, you hit, you hit a nail on the coffin, man. That's that's good. Yeah. Um, I I do think that is one of the issues as to why there is violence in relationships, is there's not people being more open to the fact of their feelings and emotions that they try to hide them. They try to. Uh, kind of stuff them back, you know, where they came from and not deal with whatever it is that they need to deal with in, in order to move forward. And I'm a big believer in hurt. People hurt people. And so if you're hurting, you're going to hurt the people around you because you have no other way to, um, you know, process, you know, that hurt. And so the only way you process that hurt is by hurting, you know, your significant other or people that surround you. So. Um, that was that was good, and I and I also think shame is also a big factor. Like I feel like we we try to shame people into like not saying what needs to be said, you know, in, in order to not deal with whatever it is they that they're dealing with. What do you think about that, Isaac? Yeah, like um, I remember this one quote that was like, "If you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you." Come on now. We're so caught up trying to, you know, just appear as this like, you know, flawless person who's always happy, you know, always, you know, on their best that when we dismiss our own flaws, they build up and eventually one day they're just going to like explode in our face. And that can be really harmful to both ourselves and people around us. I love that quote so much. Can you say it one more time for us, Isaac? If you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. So, like, you'll hurt individuals who, like, are either, like, you know, just trying to help you or, you know, they're just, like, standing by. 
So if you listening have been thinking about healing yourself from something, this is your sign. Reach out, get help, be vulnerable, heal yourself. This is a sign. This is a sign. (laughs) It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, You know, if you are in a place where there is abuse or violence, you know, always reach out and get the help because um, we don't want people bleeding on other people when there are counselors and the crisis center of West Texas, we're out here to help stop that bleed, uh, to help heal you. And that's only if you want to get healed, but you have to have the information to know where to go in order to find that healing. And and we're telling you right now in this community, there are people that want to help you if you are struggling with, you know, any of these things where, or if you're confused about what it is that uh, abuse is, you can always let us know or ask us and we will, we will will have that conversation with you. Mm -hmm. We will listen and understand you and understand where you're coming from and then, you know, have that conversation with you. So, all right, Isaac, could you tell if one of your friends are going through uh, an abusive situation or teen dating violence? And if so, how? Currently I had an acquaintance of mine and she was with her ex you know, they were in an on and off relationship. And that's a red flag to begin with. Because, you know, he's like breadcrumbing her. You know, as Cece was talking about that cycle where they're like, like, you know, like that one song, that one lyric from Katy Perry, we fight, we break up, we kiss, we make up. That's mm-hmm. that's quite literally what the relationship was. I'm what sorry, Isaac, you know? two seconds. Explain to me what breadcrumbing is. So breadcrumbing is when you like lead someone on, like you give them just enough attention to keep them on the hook, but not enough, what's it called, that it'll satisfy their needs. And you just keep on doing that and doing that. And so think of it like this, you have a whole slice of bread. You give that to a person and they're like, oh, wow, thanks. But you gradually give them less and less. And so you're having to put in less effort but them, you know, they're, they're blind to it because they're just, you know, they have all these feelings for you. And so that's like why, why it's called breadcrumbing because you just give them less and less, but you keep them on the hook. I feel hip now. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel in the know uh, as far as what the young kids are saying now. Um, okay, so let's, let's go back to, um, you know, if your friend is going through... Um, oh, right, right, right. Um, violence. So what would happen is, you know, um, he would behave differently. Or he would behave differently with her when they were alone. You know, all he wanted to do was to have sex with her. That's really all he wanted. And, you know, that's what he, that was basically his weapon against her. He'd be like, um, if you don't do this with me, I'm going to leave you. And, you know, oftentimes when, what's it called, we're in an abusive relationship, we don't leave because we feel that we're not worth it and that no one will, like, accept accept us for who we are. And so we decide to, what's it called, stay in that relationship. And so that's that's something that I feel that, what's it called, is really abusive behavior and that's, like, really damaging. For sure. Now, could you tell, you know, when you're your friend was kind of going through that? Like, did her did her energy or vibe change or anything of that nature? 
Oh, for sure. So I don't know if this, um, this is a generational thing or just something in general, but a lot of the times Gen Z, we like to like turn our trauma into comedy as like a coping mechanism. And like she, for some reason, just suddenly started making a lot of self-depreciating jokes. And what's it called? You know, some of them went a little too far. And, you know, that was something that I immediately noticed. And, you know, as, as I said, I was like, you know, that's kind of something we all do. So I was like, and I'm guilty of this. I was kind of dismissive about it too. Until one day, what's it called? So, you know, we obviously have our friend group. And my friend was telling me about it. She was like, hey, she's, what's it called? Her mental health is just not, a, it's not doing well. Her grades started to slip in all of her classes because she just wasn't doing well. Um, so yeah, definitely her, just her whole aura changed. I love that you guys noticed that though. And like For sure. your friend was like, hey, you know, she's changing and her grades are slipping and her mental health isn't great right now. Those are good friends. Those are people that you, you know, need to keep around. I think it's good to like look out for each other, you know, in that sense. So those are the kind of signs that your friend exhibited. What do you think might be some other signs that a young person is experiencing abuse that your friend didn't show? What could be some other potential signs, do you think? Like, as I said, they probably make light of the situation. Like, you know, like, oh, they're not that bad. Or, you know, it's only sometimes, you know, trying to like, not make it as bad as they seem like, you know, kind of like defending the other person. Um, or like, you know, they might seem distanced, you know, kind of like putting the space between them and all their friends because, you know, they want to deal with it on their own and they don't want to get anyone else involved. So that's certainly something that what's it called might occur. They might distance themselves from anyone really, or they just like might just shut you off completely. Like, you know, they just won't disclose any information they just cut you off period all right so last question isaac this is something that you know me and cc and the crisis center of west texas we are we're trying to do we're trying to find ways uh to inform kids in this generation about teen dating violence and abuse uh you know how, how do you think that would how do you think we can do that you know, coming from an adult perspective, uh, trying to, you know, get information out to you? Oh, that's a very interesting question. If there's one thing that I know, it's that teenagers are probably the hardest people to talk with in the entire world. And I know that for a fact, like, like, I'll be at the mall. And the second I cross the like, a bundle of teenagers, I immediately freeze up. I'm just like, I am petrified. <laughs> but um, I feel that one thing that would certainly, what's it called, get, what's it called, information out there, social media, you know, um, as technology's advanced, you know, that's one of the things that everyone uses, um, what's it called, and the way relationships are portrayed in the media certainly help, you know, um, as you can see, like, even the roles in, of, like, gender roles and things like that have changed now, and, you know, that have, that have empowered youth. So I definitely think that like social media, like I know you guys do TikToks, that's certainly really helpful. What's it called? You know, like y'all keeping up with the trends. Applaud, applaud. <laughs> um, 
but that's what I feel is what's called something that would help kids from our generation learn about teen dating violence. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in, in social media, too, and how we have to now pivot. You know, we used to be in uh, classrooms a lot, um, but I think with this pandemic and, you know, us kind of just, you know, trying to figure it out, you know, I, I do see a shift in now, you know, social media um, also being a big component of getting the information out and letting, you know, kids know, teens know that, um, you know, there's, there's help out there if they need it. So, um, cool. Is there anything else, Isaac, as far as information besides social, social media that you think would help inform kids? I feel that just like setting a good, uh, role model for them, you know, as teenagers or, or as people really, we're like sponges, we absorb anything that's within our vicinity. And so, you know, having a good role model and like knowing how to, what's it called? treat other people and whatnot can certainly help us, you know? I feel that a nice closing thought is that quote I had mentioned earlier that if you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. You know, I understand that the world isn't all sunshine and rainbows, but it isn't all doom and gloom either. You know, there's people out there that, you know, love you and appreciate you and want you in their life. And, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. You know, we're all people. We all have emotions. And it's okay to feel sad. Like, I understand that. What's it called? I just feel that people out there should know that, you know, that there's people out there that really want to help them and that, like, really appreciate them. Yes, definitely. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Okay, guys, we will talk to you next time. Bye. Have a good rest of your two weeks. Oh my gosh, we had such a good conversation. I am so thankful that we were able to get together and do this. And thank you all for listening. Isaac, thank you for being such a positive force and light in our community. Um, I know we were just talking about social media, but be sure to check out our social media. We're on Instagram, CCWTX um, underscore prevention. And we are on TikTok, which is Crisis Center WTX. Check out our social media, guys, for more information on topics like this. Isaac, will you close us out? Go follow them. Uh, Yes, please go follow us, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) 